We're in a series called Strong, and um, how many know that we need to be strong in the Lord? Growing stronger necessitates that we have some spiritual disciplines in our life. And living an abundant life, you know, Jesus said these words. He said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, if we're going to live that more abundant life, we have to grow deeper in the Lord. I was thinking about a story. There were some businessmen in Chicago, and they all had successful businesses. They were, they were friends, and they had very successful businesses. And they would look at, uh, like, the farm reports and the farmer's almanac and all of those types of things, and they were really enamored with farmers. So they said to themselves, we want to be farmers. We want to do that. And so what they did was they sold their businesses, moved to Idaho, bought a farm, and they said, we are farmers. And so they would go out on the porch all summer long, and they would look out there and say, we're farmers, and we're waiting on this corn to grow. And by September, it was harvest time, they looked out there, and now they're wondering, what went wrong? (laughs) You know, there's no corn growing. There's nothing growing in our field. How many know that just because you declare yourself something doesn't make you that? Right? Just because you come to church every Sunday, come on now, and you say, I'm a disciple of Christ, doesn't make you a disciple. Even if you are a Christian. Just because you're a Christian, just because you watch T.D. Jakes and Jimmy Swaggart or whoever it is you might watch on TBN, does not make you a disciple of Christ. That takes some effort. I can stand up here and say, you know what? I am a bodybuilder and I look good. I have rippling muscles. But, now see, my wife laughs. She wasn't supposed to wait till later. One look in the mirror would tell me that just because I say that doesn't make me that, right? I could be that, though. With some discipline, with some work, and it takes some work, it takes some discipline to be able to be what you want to be. This is what God is telling us. Today we're going to talk a little bit about spiritual disciplines. Now, our base scripture for this series is 1 Chronicles 16, verse 9, 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, thank you, that talks about how the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for someone that he can show himself strong through. And another translation says, looking for those that he can make strong. God is looking throughout the whole earth to see if there's someone who's willing that he can make strong. He wants you to be strong. You just have to be willing to do the work. My strong person profile goes a little bit like this. It says, a strong person is a person who is marked by great strength, moral power, and abundant resources. This person is superior in faith, prayer, and passion, forceful when moving against obstacles, and tenacious and tough when fulfilling God's will. Now, in this series so far, we've talked about being strong in fervent prayer, 
person strong in fervent prayer is marked by great intensity, their intensity of spirit. Come on, they don't shy away from prayer. They go boldly to the throne. They are wholehearted and passionate, not shallow and lazy about their prayer life. Come on. They are boiling over with a red-hot intensity, and they are not lukewarm. Strong and fervent prayer. And then we talked a couple of weeks about being strong in spiritual battle. How many know that whether you want to be or not, you are in a spiritual battle? There is a war going on, and you are right in the middle of it. The key to that whole thing, and for you not to fret, is you, can, you have the ability to go to the end of the book and see that you win. In the end, you win. The fate is already settled. But the issue is we have to go through the battles to get there. And some of those battles will win. Some you might lose. But you're going to learn along the way how to win every single battle. We should win all of them. Come on. We should win every battle. But a person who is strong in spiritual battle has sincerely, and you wouldn't think this word would go along with a spiritual warrior, but a person strong in spiritual battle has sincerely surrendered. They surrendered their life to God, believing God has given everything needed to be victorious in the spiritual realm and to be strong in the stand against the forces of darkness. He has given you all things pertaining to life. That's all parts of life. He's given you all things to enjoy. And then last week we talked a little bit about being strong in workplace mission. Being strong in workplace mission. Most of us either have worked, are working now, or will work at some point in the future. And so it's important to us to understand that what we do every day of our lives, probably eight hours each day, is important and God cares about that part of your life too. Because it really ends up being, for most people, most of your life. And so if you're going to be a successful missionary, why not be strong in workplace mission? Now, a person strong in workplace mission, they see their workplace as a God placement. And I know that doesn't go over too well sometimes for some of us. Because some of us don't like our jobs. We don't like where God has placed us. But you never know. It could be for a season. It could be a career. But you see wherever you are right now as a God placement where you can focus your faith, serve God, influence people for Christ. And by doing that, you will fulfill your God-given purpose. You want to fulfill your purpose in life? Then focus on where you are right now and make yourself the best person you can be in the place you are right now. was watching this show on TV yesterday. I was sort of flipping through channels and watching a couple of college basketball games and I came across this show and it's called Unsung. And what happens on this show is they talk about uh, different artists or you know movie stars, but I think it's mostly musical artists that you don't know their backstory. You just know their hit records or whatever, and but you don't know what they went through to get where they are and and what happened to them and those type of things. And I was I was looking at the story of one young man. His name is Johnny Gill, and he was a he was a good singer uh, from being very young. 
you know, very young. He was a good singer, and he grew up, and, uh, you know, he got into a, a, a group, and, uh, you know, and when he got into this group, what happened was there were already some stars in this group that he joined. You've heard of that before, bands that already are successful, and then some other star joins the band, right? And uh, you wonder how that's going to work. And so he was already a star, but then this group, New Edition, was already very successful. So he joined the group. And what they told him was, they said, okay, the group is already successful with the formula that we have. So when you come in, somehow you're going to have to fit in. You're a lead singer and you have this booming voice. But guess what? For this first album that you do, you're not going to have any leads on. And he said, okay, okay, I'll do that. Then they came back to him and said, okay, guess what? We have one more song that we're writing for the album. It's going to be at the end, the very last song, and we want you to do lead, the lead on that song. And what happened was when he listened to the song, it, he heard all these other songs that were so great. All of them sounded like number one hits, and then this song didn't sound all that great. So he now all of a sudden was upset. He said, now wait a minute. You're going to give me a lead, but it's going to be the worst song on the album. This terrible song. I don't even like the song. This is terrible. But you know what he did? He, he went into the studio and he told himself, you know what? I am going to sing the heck out of this song. I am going to give this song everything I have. And if this is the song they want me to sing, boy, this song is going to be great. And he did that. And don't you know that song was a hit on their CD? In fact, this song became the theme of the whole group. Why? Because he didn't just go in and say, well, you know, you're going to give me this song, so I'll just sing it. He said, no, I'm going to give it everything I got. If that's what you're going to give me, that's not going to get me down. That's what we need to do, folks. Sometimes we find ourselves in places that we would not have chosen. Maybe this job, maybe this church, maybe, uh, you know, this relationship. As I look back on it, I say, wow, how did I, why did I do this? Why did I get into that? But guess what? You're here now. And now you have to make the best of where you are. And if you do that, you will fulfill your God-given purpose. You'll get, you not only will fulfill God's purpose for your life, but you then will get fulfillment out of that purpose. Strong in workplace mission. And now today we're going to talk just a little bit about being strong in personal and spiritual disciplines. Strong in spiritual discipline. Here's my definition for a, a person who's strong in spiritual disciplines. A person strong in spiritual disciplines has made a serious lifestyle decision. In other words, you, did, you didn't just say, I think I need to go to the gym. Well, everybody knows that. We can see that. <laughs> You can look at me and I can look at you and tell you need to go to the gym. The question is, are you going to go to the gym? All right? When the rubber meets the road. I need to have a different attitude. Well, yeah. People around you see that you need a different attitude. You look in the mirror and say, I need a different attitude. The question is, are you going to change your attitude? This is what I'm talking about when I say a serious lifestyle decision. In other words, with a serious lifestyle decision, along with that comes action. It's not just talk. It's not just thinking. It's not just saying to myself or writing some things down. But there's some action along with that serious lifestyle decision. And that decision is to go deeper into God. I am going to do this. 
My decision is to grow stronger, not just in one area, but in all aspects of life. I tell my children, listen, whatever you do, give it your all. You know, if it's this class that you don't like, it's not going to last forever. While you're in it, give it everything you got. Don't settle for a B. Don't settle for a C. You go for the A. Not just because you don't like it doesn't mean you shouldn't be the best at it. Go for it. And that's what God is telling us here. Cultivating a consistent life in word and in prayer. And it doesn't stop there. Those are just two of the things we need to do as spiritual disciplines. But this is a disciplined person. Now, to me, it seems as though this word discipline is not very big in our culture. It just isn't. Discipline is not real big in a lot of people's lives. And I'm preaching to you, but I'm also looking in the mirror at some things. Come on. It really is not big. The lack of discipline in our lives is so often what causes us to get into trouble sometimes. Why? Because we cannot pull back. Whether it's our job life, whether it's our marriage life, whether it's our financial life, whether it's relationships with our friends, whether it's marketplace, whatever it is. Lack of discipline gets us into trouble. You know what happens is we get pulled into making impulse decisions. Often in your life when you face uh, a, a situation where you have indecision, look back at your discipline. If you are a person who formed habits of discipline, there may not be such indecision sometimes. Now, people may look at it as indecision, but really what you're doing is contemplating the right decision because you have habits of discipline in your life that you have built up. We make decisions sometimes too hastily and too quickly or to have the discipline to control our thought life. Come on. Or the words that come out of our mouth. And you know I shouldn't have said that thing. Or I shouldn't have done that thing. And then you say to yourself, you know what? Wow, I said that. And when it comes out, you just feel so stupid. Come on. Ah, I shouldn't have said that. Why did I say that? Now I can't take it back. Or why did I do that thing? And you say to yourself, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm, I'm going to say the right thing from now on, only to find yourself weeks later saying and doing the same thing again. Why? Because we don't have habits of spiritual discipline. You can't just wake up and say, I'm going to be disciplined today. It takes some work. Come on. It takes some restraint. Discipline has to be a factor in our life if we're going to be successful. I want to tell you something. You will not be successful in life without some discipline. And you won't be successful in your spiritual life without some spiritual disciplines. Here's my definition of spiritual discipline. Exercises unto godliness with activities undertaken to make us capable of receiving more of Christ's life and his power. Going deeper and growing stronger in God. Now, I want to I tell you, I just want to take a, put a little side note to this. I, I'm not saying that this morning that you have to 
be disciplined and you have to work your way into salvation. Just want to throw that out there. We're not talking about salvation and going to heaven because there's nothing you can do to work your way into heaven except accept the forgiveness of God. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus that he died on the cross and rose again on the third day and also believe that in your heart. Come on. And then Jesus commanded you to get baptized, right? In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will fill you with his spirit. So there's no spiritual discipline that we can uh, cause to be habits in our life in order to get into heaven. What I'm talking about today is living an abundant, successful life while you are here on this earth. Because you are here for a purpose. If not, you would get saved, you would give your life to the Lord, and God would kill you, or you would die and just go on to heaven. But how many know that doesn't happen? I don't think so. I'm looking at you, and you're looking at me. We're still here. Come on. And so it must be for a purpose. And so to have a successful life, we must train ourselves. Paul told young Timothy, he said, train yourself in 1 Timothy 4.8. Now, what they knew in that culture was that the Romans and the Greeks and all of those, they had games and they saw all of those and they, they trained for those games. That's one of the reasons why I really admire athletes sometimes because you really don't get to the top of your profession as an athlete unless you do some serious training. You see, in high school and even sometimes in college as an athlete, your athletic ability can get you over. But once you get to a professional status, your athletic ability is only part of what gets you over. I've seen it so many times, athletes that are so good at what they do and they never get close to winning a championship. Because one, most of it is team sports. And the other side of it is it takes more than just your athletic ability to be able to get you over. Come on. It takes some discipline in here. It takes some wisdom. It takes some knowledge to be able to succeed. Paul told Timothy, he said, physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is valuable in every way because it promises life both for the present and the future. Another translation says workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. Now here's, when most people read this scripture, a lot of times, well, I won't say most people, but some, when they read this scripture, they look at it and say, well, what Paul is saying is that physical exercise is okay, but you really don't need to do that. You really need to do uh, spiritual exercise. That's not what he's saying at all. Physical exercise is very, very valuable. We know it. If I told you that, and I could show you if I told you that you, if you go to the gym, come on, Sister Carrie, Brother Keith can attest to this. They're physical trainers, and uh, they can tell you. You know, if you go to the gym and you do the right exercises, right, you'll see results. Now, what are you shooting for? Let's go for that, and you'll see the results. But I want to tell you this morning, it's the same way in the spiritual you must exercise in order to see the spiritual results. And what Paul is saying here is that as valuable as physical exercise is to us, because you know it makes you healthy, it'll help you to live a longer life, 
right? It'll help your heart to be healthier. In fact, uh, and I'm not speaking as an expert in any means, but it'll help you to think better, more clearly, make better decisions when you're in good physical shape. Come on. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Paul is saying, as great as that is for your physical body, spiritual discipline is that much more. So it's not that you shouldn't do the physical work, but it's as great as, as, you, as you can see the results there with your eyes. Imagine how much more beneficial your spiritual disciplines are for you when you work out. Come on. Now what we have to do, saints, is get away from shallowness. We have some spiritual shallowness in our churches. You see, when I look around sometimes and I hear messages and I hear preaching and I see teachings, sometimes I get a little bit discouraged because I see a lot of shallowness. I see a lot of superficiality sometimes. I see things that People want to hear. Now, I'm not telling you that grace is a hard thing because it's not. It's absolutely not. But you can't sit on your couch and say, okay, God, make me a super Christian. It's not going to happen. You have to get up and do some work. Richard Foster put it like this. He said, superficiality is the curse of our age. The desperate need today is not greater number of intelligent people. Or gifted people, we have plenty of those. But it's for deeper people. We need people who will take their time and think about a decision before they make it. Especially in government. But anyway, we need folks who will think about a decision. Go a little deeper, do a little research so that you're making the right decision. People need, we, we need to do that for our own personal lives. When you make any decision about a job, about marriage, about church, or before making a decision about a scripture you read. Don't just read a scripture and say, oh, I'm taking it for face value, or you hear someone on TV. Listen, be like the Bereans. Paul loved them. I, I said this before, and I, I say it again. I really love this about my wife. Whether I'm preaching or somebody on TV is preaching or somebody just tells her something in the hallway, she looks at the scripture, she'll look before it, and she'll look at the scripture after it. Why? Because she wants to see the context. It's not that she's doubting you or what you're saying, but she wants to go deeper. Come on. Not to be superficial. And that's one of the problems we have in church. Don't just take everybody for their word. Not even this person up here preaching to you. What a pastor should do really is to encourage you to then go study it out yourself. Right? Tell me something. Tell me something sometime. Come on now. All of us need to study and not be superficial. Jesus told his disciples this. He said, some of the seed that was sown fell on stony places where there was not much earth. And they immediately sprang up because why? They had no depth. Be careful sometimes when things happen so quickly. Now, I'm not saying that can't happen. God does some suddenlies. Come on now. Suddenly, he was on the other side, right? In the boat, he was on the other suddenly. I know God does that. But I'm just saying, be careful in your life when things happen suddenly. You know, when things spring up. Do they have root? Do they have depth? Will they last? 
I know you just met the person last week, but are you sure you want to get married in March and you just met them February? I'm just saying. It might be your destiny. But if it is your destiny, if that person is your destiny, isn't that person, isn't he or she worth having some roots go down deep so that it will last? Come on. We don't want to be superficial. I'll give you a couple of questions. You might jot these down. The same question, only given uh, in two different ways. First one is this. What am I currently doing, or what am I currently not doing, that if I were doing, would open myself up more to God's work of grace in my life? I can't answer that question for you. It's just to throw out there. What is it that you're not doing now, that if you were doing it, it would open up more of God in your life? Think about that for a moment. Are there some things that you could be doing? I mean, there's obvious things, reading. Everybody should read a little more. Everybody should pray a little more. I know that. What about interaction with people? Are there things that you can do? Come on. And then the other side of that is, what am I currently doing that, come on, if eliminated, would open myself up more to God's work of grace in my life? I believe all of us have some things that we're not doing that we could be doing. And all of us have some things that we are doing that we probably shouldn't be doing. Think about that for a moment. Lee Tolstoy said this. He said, everybody thinks of changing humanity, but nobody thinks of changing himself. We all look out, talk about the government. Talk about the world. Talk about how things need to change. Not realizing that if there's going to be change, and I'm not a politician by any means, but if there's going to be change, it has to start here. And it has to start here in this church. And it has to start in the church if there's going to be change. The greatest damage to the Christian church today is that it is pitching its message too low. And that means it's superficial with its message come on we need to understand that there need to be some spiritual disciplines and i believe it starts with leadership leadership in the church come on starts right here we need to be disciplined hebrews 6 1 through 3 says this we talk about this in our first principles class it says therefore leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of christ let us go on unto perfection, or that word means maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead and of the eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. What is the writer in Hebrews telling the Hebrews and telling us here? He's not saying don't worry about those things anymore. Don't be concerned with laying on of hands or the resurrection of the dead. He's saying stop dredging up the same things over and over. Is that as far as you're going to go? You're just going to baptize people, pray for people, and that's it? I mean, is that what we're going to do the rest of our life? No, the writer is saying there's much more. That's a basic. That's a first principle, folks, in church. We get so excited, as we should, when we see someone baptized. We get so excited when we see someone healed. We get so excited when we see those things. 
And God is telling us, yes, get excited about that, but don't stop there because that's just the base. What you're excited about is the foundation. Wait till you see the house. Wait till you see the building. Wait till you see where we're going. Woo! If you're excited about the foundation, wait till you see what I have in mind, God is saying. Come on now. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. And God is going to begin to open up our eyes, saints. Now here's a broader definition of some spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are what? They are any activity within our power that we engage in to enable us to do what we cannot do by human effort. Like going to a men's meeting, going to a ladies' meeting, right? Getting engaged in a Bible study. Come on, we're talking about all this technology. I have an app, uh, version, and it has so many suggestions for different Bible studies that you can just do on your own. And it gives you a scripture to read every day and a little devotion. Things like that, that don't take very long, but they build you up. Come on. Spiritual disciplines are a means to receiving God's grace. They allow us to place ourselves before God so that He can transform us. Spiritual disciplines are meant to challenge us. They are meant to exchange the life as usual, which has not been fertile ground, to what? To a life that God can use to bear fruit in our lives. Spiritual disciplines remove the spirit of neglect and laziness that stands between you and spiritual growth. Spiritual disciplines remove that. Failure to act in certain ways will guarantee that true spiritual transformation will not come to pass. If you fail to act, you are acting to fail. Come on, you ever heard that? Failure to plan is planning to fail. I heard another guy say it like this. If you shoot for nothing, you'll hit it dead on the button every time. Come on. Spiritual disciplines are simply a matter of following Jesus into his own practices, appropriately modified to suit our own conditions. In other words, not just, not just what would Jesus do. And I, I love that when that brother came up with that so many years ago and they had all the, you know, the armbands and the necklaces of what would Jesus do. But you know what God spoke to me? He said, what did Jesus do? All you have to do is go back and look and see what he did do and follow that. Come on, you want to be spiritually disciplined. Go back and see, what did Jesus do? Here's what he's saying to you this morning. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. You want to be a disciple. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Why? My yoke is easy, and my burden is what? Come on. Disciplines of abstinence, and this is what we need to practice, are designed to help us remove destructive and unhelpful habits. Here are some disciplines that we can follow. Number one is solitude. This is what I mean by that. Solitude, that means to practice spending time with God without any distractions. You ever tried to do something and it seems like you're always distracted? I want to tell you something. That's one of the enemy's greatest tools. And then you feel like you have to break off and do this thing right? Because your kids come running in and they need something. I'm hungry, <laughs> right? Or somebody calls you on the phone. Guess what? I just have to tell you about this. Don't answer until afterwards. Spend some time with the Lord. 10 minutes, half an hour, hour whatever it is. 
no distractions. And in that silence, practice of spending time with God with no noise or no other conversation, just you and God. You know, there are times when I can, uh, you know, I, I work a, a job and, you know, bivocational and, and uh, you know, so and then the kids are in so many different things and acting classes and basketball and all these other things. And, and then my wife uh, works, you know, and then she also sings and does other things. And, you know, we're just uh, busy like any other family uh, with children. And so there are some times when I'm, you know, I say, all right, now, Lord, I just need to... Um, write the message for Sunday, you know, it's mid middle of the week or whatever it is, and I, you know, sit down, but other things are going on. You know, I'm helping Nia with her homework. At the same time, I'm looking in Scripture and doing all these things, and, you know, it's, it, that's happened before. It's, you know, Dietrich said, I don't see how you do that. You know, I don't see how you sit there and do that. Watch TV and working on your laptop and all that at the same time. But there comes a point, some people can multitask, I understand that. There comes a point where you need to turn everything else off put everything else away, the phone, the television, the iPad, the Kindle. Come on now. No Instagram, no Outergram. What's the other grams? No Twitter, Tumblr, Toppler, everything, all that stuff, Facebook, put it down. No music even. Now, I know we like to meditate with music, and that's good because I love to do that. But then there's sometimes when nothing, we just need to hear nothing. Don't be distracted by anything. I don't want to hear what Darlene Check is saying. She's in her, you know, she, she's meditating and that's good. Sometimes she can help me. But right now, I need to hear from the Lord for myself. Okay? Silence. Fasting is another good way. We just came off a fast. Right? Abstaining from food, media, entertainment, or anything that occupies your time. What about frugality? Oh, yeah, I wrote this one down. Using your money for purposes outside of your own. Of your own needs for a time being. Come on, I know a little silence on that one. But God loves that. That's a spiritual discipline that we can practice. Because here's what it does. It, those things are so important to us. Food, money, right? And if we're able to use that for the Lord, God knows then that he has our heart. It's not about the money. And it's not even about the food. But what it's about is our heart. And God knows if I have your heart, then I have you. And I can make you strong. Chastity, life of purity. Obviously, that should go without. And that doesn't just mean physical. Come on, that means what we see, what we take in with our eyes, what comes out of our mouth, what goes into our ears. That's what I'm talking about when I say live a life of purity. Difficult, but it can be done. Sometimes secrecy. Doing things without others knowing that bless other people. Come on, this is a common one sometimes in the church. You ever been out to a restaurant and somebody, the waiter comes over and say, well, you know, the other guy paid for your meal and you look over and they're gone. That's happened to us a couple times, right? It's a blessing to be able to do that in anonymity. And in sacrifice, stretch your sense of what you can do without, the, uh, without for the sake of those who have less. Stretch your sense of what you can do. In other words, I only have so much to give, but guess what? This particular time, I'm going to give it all, or I'm going to give most, or I'm going to go out of my way. I've got three things to do, and I'll never get those three things done, but guess what? I'm going to do this for you. Come on, sacrifice. And then there are disciplines of engagement. Those were disciplines of abstinence. Then likewise, there's disciplines of engagement. Study, 
Go deeper into the Word of God. Expand your knowledge. Come on. Your spirit. And then there's worship. Go deeper into worship by worshiping more on your own. Don't wait till you get here to worship. Worship on your own. And in corporate time. When you get here, worship also. What about celebration? Be grateful. Practice having a thankful spirit and an attitude and encourage others. Look for someone to encourage. You know one of the things that I like to do is I, I, don't, I don't like for other people to be down and discouraged. But I like it when someone is down and discouraged and I can encourage them. It makes me feel better than them sometimes. Have you ever experienced that? It really does. If I see somebody down at the workplace or in my family or my wife is down and I have an opportunity, uh, and I know I don't always do it, but I have an opportunity to encourage that person, and then I see that they are encouraged, it makes me feel as good as they feel because I was able to encourage it. And I didn't get anything out of it. You know, they didn't pay me for that. Here's five bucks for that encouragement. Come on. Encouragement. What about service? Find places to serve, a new place, looking for help to give your time. Come on. Prayer, increase your prayer life. Fellowship, we're trying to do more of that here, even at Life Church. Do more fellowship. I know you don't want to come and be preached to all the time. You know, it's great to have classes and to listen to sermons and all those things, but there, we also need to fellowship. Jesus commanded that, that we should fellowship together. I'll tell you what, confession. That term, confession, is good for the soul. <laughs> confession, it really is. Practice confessing your sins, weaknesses at needed times for accountability with faith-filled people. And we were talking the other day, I can't remember if it was in the elders meeting or a men's meeting, and we were talking about the men, and we were talking about how at one time here, men had prayer partners. And we're, we're looking to really start that up again so that every man has a prayer partner that they can call and, and they can confess some things too. And they can pray with each other. Where you don't have to come up here and confess all your sins to everybody. Come on. And you really shouldn't be embarrassed to do that. Uh, because the truth of the matter is, if each of us did that, we'd be going, whoa. <laughs> come on. Right? We think ours is the worst until somebody else comes up. But confession. Find a prayer partner. Someone you can trust. That where it won't go anywhere else but that person. And you can, you can tell them just everything that's on your heart. And then submission. Here's that word again. Resist pride. Submit to authority, to proper people in proper ways. That's a great spiritual discipline. Why do we do this? It's in order for us to grow. Listen, our whole vision here is based upon discipleship and growth. It really is. And when I think about discipleship, I think about all the things that discipleship could mean. You know, we have classes that we could do, uh, mentorship, uh, you know, uh, we could do evangelism type things, discipleship. But, but then what, what does it all mean? It can't be just to have a fellowship or a pitch-in or an agape feast or a class uh, upstairs on the book of Philippians. That's not the end. Those are means to an end. When we do all those things, those point us all toward Jesus. Because Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple right? Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And so that's what discipleship is all about, is to be like Jesus and to grow. That's what we're all about. 
Second Peter 1, 2-4 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, and His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. God has given it to you and to me. Folks, we have divine power to be able to grow. We need a personal pursuit of spiritual disciplines. Peter also said this, he said, but also for this very reason, giving diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and so forth and so on. Peter is telling us for this very reason, we must see the reason if we're going to go forward. People don't do anything without a reason to do it. We must see the reason. God gives us spiritual reasons but we are responsible ourselves to use them. And then we must give all diligence. In other words, you must, you must within yourself say, first of all, I am going to do this no matter what. I don't care what the weather is. I don't care who calls on the phone. Nothing can distract me from reaching this goal. Right? Can't do it. I mean, I keep talking about working out. If, if, if you have a goal, if you have a goal to lose weight, you have to give all diligence to it or it's not going to happen or you'll lose a few pounds and put them back on. I was telling my wife, I have another friend of mine, she went to the doctor and she's having some problems breathing and she's having some trouble. She's real tired and her chest was hurting for some months now. And we've been kind of talking back and forth and all these things have been going through her mind. She went to the doctor and they couldn't really put their finger on what the problem was with her. And, uh, you know, so they, they made another appointment with the specialist. Well, she couldn't get in to see the specialist for three months. And so during that three months, don't you know, all kind of things went through her mind. What is this? Oh, my Lord, is it cancer? You know, is it emphysema? Is it, am I going to die? You know, and we're going, you know, why all of a sudden this? I mean, wow, you went from being a happy-go-lucky person and now you got a little shortness of breath and now you're thinking about dying. But that's what the enemy does, puts that in our mind. Come on. So she went to the doctor and the doctor, the specialist finally said, you know what, <laughs> after, all, after all this time, it really what it was was just a virus that you had. Just a virus that you had in your lung and was hard to pinpoint because of the location, where it was, whatever it is. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm not a doctor, Dr. Jesse, I don't know what they, but you know, because of where it was, we couldn't. But now we have located it was a virus in your lung and you're going to be a little bit sore, but we've given you some medication uh, and, and you're going to be a little sore for a few more weeks, but you're okay. But the doctor said, that, but I can tell you one thing, while looking at all this, you've got to stop smoking. She smokes. He said, if you don't, 10 years from now, you will have emphysema. He said, now it's not, you know, it's not an if, and, or, but. You will have it if you continue to smoke. Now, I look at that not as a negative confession, Eldon, because we're doing something destructive. You know, it's something that God puts out there. It says, if you do this, this will happen. So I don't look at the doctor as confessing that she's going to have emphysema, 
But what happens is if you keep doing this, if you keep destroying your lung, you're going to have it. And so now she's got to quit smoking after smoking for all these years. How do you think she's going to do that? Well, first of all, she needs the Lord, right? So I'm talking to her about that, obviously, you know. But if she's going to do it, she has to have some diligence. And not just some diligence. She's going to have to have all diligence. Listen, I've never smoked, but I've seen people try to quit smoking. Come on. And it's, it's, isn't it? It's about near impossible. I'm not asking you to raise your hand or anything like that, but some of you know. I mean, it's like some other habits. We've all had some habits, right? And it's hard to break a habit. It's hard to break. And then we must add faith to all this. Add your faith to supplement your faith. Add, put on top. Paul told the Philippians, he said, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And that doesn't mean you work to get salvation. But remember I said, God didn't just kill you once you got saved. You're still here and there's a purpose. So you need to work it out until that time you go to be with the Lord. Some things we need to do. Work out your own salvation. What we work out, God works in. Come on. We work things out, God will work some things in us. We need to seek things above. We need to put to death ungodly things. And we need to put off all things of the flesh. Why? Because we need to put on the virtues of Christ. By doing that, we yield all of our life to Christ. Come on. Spiritual discipline is so important to us. If we're going to be successful, we need it. You cannot be successful without it. Now, this morning, I just want to invite you to examine your life, to evaluate your growth, evaluate your spirituality, and make a decision, saints, to become strong in spiritual disciplines. What are you doing to intentionally plow and prepare your spirit to be receptive to God? Come on, these are some questions. I want you to think about it just for a moment. We're almost finished, but I want you to think about these. What are you doing to intentionally prepare your emotional life to connect with God in church? Or are you doing anything at all? What are you doing to renew your mind so you think and reason scripture deeply? Or are you doing anything at all? And what will you do to go deeper into the things of the Spirit and live out what it really means to be a disciple? These are some hard questions that we need to ask ourselves. 